You're listening to the Crypto Curry Club podcast with Erica Stanford. Our guests today include Sachin Dutta, Chief Marketing Officer at CoinFirm, and Alex Royale, Chief Compliance Officer and Head of Regulation at Archives. This episode of Crypto Curry Club is brought to you by TrueLayer. TrueLayer.com forward slash crypto. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, crypto exchange series brought to us by TrueLayer. So in this uh, episode, we're looking at jurisdictions, regulation and and crime and the the role that that exchanges play in this. And so we're joined here by Alex from Archex Session from CoinFirm and and big thanks to to TrueLayer for bringing us this series. So we're just as an overview, we're in a crypto environment at the moment with with not as much clarity on non-regulation, at least in the UK, as, as many would desire and, and not as much efficiency as, as many would desire in, in getting that clarity. And just as a first sort of question and a first point to look at, at, at the moment, we're very much seeing a, a, a time where regulators are, are, are trying to say, this is what we need and almost managing every process rather than letting the industry come up with the best possible outcomes and innovate. Where do you see that going, Alex, and what do you see as, as needed in that, in, in how the regular regulator approaches the outcomes that we would desire, such as you know, money laundering in crypto, for example? Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think this is a really, really key point in order to facilitate innovation um, within the space generally, and that's within and without sort of the UK itself. Um, regulation should take uh, a, a policy outcome view, so that you know, and and and, and, and that's that solely should that should be the sole driver. And when we're talking about financial crime, when we're talking about money laundering and terrorist financing, it is to, you know, in a ex ante way remove the possibility for, for money laundering and, and financial crime. When we have, it feels at the moment that the technology methodologies used to do that are the things that are receiving the most scrutiny by regulators as opposed to the outcome that is looking to be achieved. And when you take that kind of process and methodology view, that naturally stifles innovation because you get this anchoring towards what, what regulators are expecting to see. Um, as opposed to them being open-minded enough to say, right, well, this is new and novel tech. How can we use this and leverage it to solve some of the unsolvable problems that have happened in the past? The prime example, and you know, a lot of people are on the fence about it, but the travel rule, that is a, that is a correspondent banking system and control that exists and is being reflected in an environment involving an underlying blockchain, which is, you know, immutable and permanent. So, you could ask, is it necessary? Is it relevant? Is it rent extraction? You know, they need to take this outcome policy looking view to foster innovation. Thank you. You got any views on that session? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's just as uh, Alex says, um, and I, in terms of the uh, technology, yeah, technology is, is going to be a, uh, is going to be a barrier, but we're also seeing that it's, um, like, for example, the, the travel rule, there isn't one, ex, you know, one complete solution yet. And it will take all of the jurisdictions, everyone that who's under the FATF to actually abide by that one kind of uh, tech solution. 
So uh, in the industry, we see it's it's been going on for a while where we've had to like partner with other other firms. So now there's Notabene, uh, there's OpenVasp. Um, so things are progressing along, but um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to keep up uh, with the uh, with the speed as well. Uh, you know, speed of change, and um, and I, we have to think as well in terms of the regulators. They also have people to report to, and there's other kind of uh, you know. Uh, how can I say? They have other stakeholders. So, I mean, when we say jurisdictional arbitrage, we're talking about, you know, jumping ship to another country and register our crypto exchange because it's easier. But uh, some people in national governments, uh, they'll be thinking jurisdictional arbitrage as a, how do we get one over on a, a, a nation state in terms of trade leverage and like trade embargoes and, and trade deals. So um, that, that's just one thing that, uh, you know, I think we've got to put in perspective and Look, look at it from from that angle as well. Yeah, and Alex, you, you mentioned stifling innovation, and, and certainly we're at risk of that. And in the UK, we've already seen several companies leaving the, the UK and, and and not looking to to be based here anymore because of 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 that. And and certainly, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, even the main law firms are now advising companies to basically not go anywhere near the UK and and to look at settling uh, up abroad elsewhere and still being able to target UK customers because of some of the, the delays here. What, what, where do you see the sort of the risk of, of stifling innovation coming in with, with regulation and also with, with the regulation set up here? We're looking at a system where regulation has been more or less modelled off of traditional finance. And of course, you know, one has to feel to uh, feel for, for regulators to a certain degree that crypto is so new and is evolving so rapidly and has so many of the smartest minds and, and people and technologies in it that is evolving very, very fast and would be difficult for any regulator to keep up with. But but practically, can innovation be achieved here with regulatory barriers still sort of attached to traditional finance or what is needed, Alex? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think it, it, it can be achieved. And, and I think um, that <clears throat> there needs to be a collaborative approach in order to do that between regulators, governments, and most importantly, industry stakeholders themselves. It, nothing it comes from having a, a, an adversarial relationship between people desperate to, you know, undertake business in, in a jurisdiction and, and the regulatory uh, and, you know, and regulators. It, it, that, that picking a fight and having fights is, is never the thing. But the one interesting thing I, I see here is that a lot of regulation has grown and existed and developed over time to, um, remove sort of predatory rent extraction people who will sit in the system and just basically rip people off by virtue of providing a service and we see a lot of uh, regulations coming out the back of that where i think we are currently seeing or we could get into a world is that you know a lot of reg tech and uh, fintech um, solves a lot of these problems that regulations have otherwise evolved to solve so the systems and controls have come in and in an environment where we have innovative solutions which can provide the same policy and regulatory outcomes by nature of say you know uh you know by nature of the underlying technology i mentioned earlier the immutable and permanency of the blockchain um the ability to see things in real time by by, by engaging with, with the networks 
we enter a space where where unnecessary regulation becomes predatory rent extraction in itself and the rent you know by saying well we have something that is effectively self-governing but we're going to put extra rules and these extra high barriers up just because we we don't trust the underlying technology i think that becomes uh, quite a quite a dangerous environment um for for innovation and is likely to result in jurisdictional arbitrage as, as, as Sachin said earlier and and, re, and to go back to the previous point the desire and the and you know it should be that regulators are open arms clawing to bring people within any form of perimeter to protect uh, and, and to have oversight of, of firms that are you know soliciting their soliciting their you know uh, citizens with it you know within their scope instead of just letting them go instead of just letting them go exactly there, there is no good outcome from pushing people off pushing people offshore when in doing that there is absolutely no barrier to those people then soliciting people within jurisdiction it, it, it's almost the it's anathema to what regulators should be doing i mean just as, a, as an example is that a a fintech related conference recently we don't need to name any names but but almost a vast majority of companies exhibiting there seem to be off offshore um whereas even only a few years ago it was more you know uk based or, or locally based companies that, that were exhibiting there well maybe it was uh, the weather <laughs> maybe that's why they were offshore but no i'm joking the, in terms of the uh i mean it's funny as well because what Alex is saying in terms of, you know, the, the, the progress with the technology and, you know, how, how everything is being sped up. It's um, when you actually see what the FATFs are saying, like in terms of the, the risk characteristics um, in terms of money laundering for virtual assets, you know, they include things like uh, anonymity, global reach, which is like one thing which we think is a good thing, but that's for them, it's a risk characteristic, you know, transaction speed as well, and then mass adoption. So, um, you know, it, it's it's funny sometimes that maybe that's the uh, that's the sticking point. But um, you know, things can go wrong along those lines. But uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we see that as. Um, but compared to fiat, we, we kind of know that this is a, this is a a drop in the ocean. Uh, to be honest, um, all of the data shows that. I'd say I'm, I'm not sure, if, Alex. You you also agree on that? Yeah, I think you know it's a it's a trick. Yes, it is factually correct. It's a tricky argument to, to say, though, that, you know, just because it is a smaller percentage of something means that we should care about it less when, you know, it, you know, it's it's an issue and it, the issue needs to be addressed. But the issue won't be addressed by not addressing the actions of global regulators and the attitudes towards it and the rhetoric that's coming out of it. You know, there's a, there's a, a bit of a, a link with, you know, we, we've seen this, the meme stocks and the AMCs and the game stocks and this kind of, you know, there's this sense, this growing sense of, uh, of a kind of a rebelling of a, you know, uh, disenfranchised part of society, perhaps, where they've grown up post GFC, uh, low rates, no yield, um, all of this kind of stuff. By saying no, you're not going to stop anything in fact you're gonna in, in fact you just push it deeper underground or push it into a a more eccentric dog-shaped meme coin well it's, it's like the, the irony here is that we seem to kind of be in, in a space where people trust 
you know, there was, I think the FCA or, or there was a report very, very recently that said uh, something like a very a material proportion of, I think it was, you know, 18 to 35 year olds get stock advice from Reddit and TikTok. Uh, you know, that was the main place that they got their stock advice. Whereas, you know, the, the, the generation above that in, in it said, you know, the same proportion got it from newspapers. So you can just see where, you know, where society or where cohorts of society pin their trust. And, yeah. and, and this, and, and I'm just, I think the, the thesis here is that the regulators need to move with that, not rebel against it. Because the reason why we're here is, is because of a, of a distrust. And if there is a, this, this natural distrust, you need to engage with the reason why, not just say no. Yeah. You've mentioned jurisdictional arbitrage a couple times how can that be mitigated what what do you see as the answer to that um, I, you know i i think we've mentioned it and, and, and sachin mentioned it uh, you know more than me but the, the work of fatf and similar kind of um organizations is crucial and getting mm. by you know sort of getting getting buy-in for that and engaging with all the with all the recommendations uh, with that i think that's that's a great starting point mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that as well. It's um, it's definitely going to take collaboration between the private sector and the public sector. So um, I suppose first we're going to have, you know, specific guidelines which are communicated to everyone uh, from the from from FATF, FATF, uh, and then we need the actual, you know, the, the member states for them to implement it, and then we have to see the uh, kind of the private sector adoption. So, but there needs to be this whole cooperation along the public private sector and international cooperation so it's um it's many many steps um many things can go wrong but uh but i mean you know communication has opened up uh we we work with regulators i mean alex himself we used to work as a in the fca right so um yeah. they're, they're not all bad <laughs> so i know we like to always talk about it like doom and gloom but uh it, it's a good you know it's a good uh it's a good sign that we're here actually discussing it right like that's the um we can take take merit in that so um yeah, yeah. it's um interesting times and things are changing for the better i'd say for sure i think there's another sort of interesting layer as well which is you know we can take we can look at the fx market and you know we have the fx global code and you know that that's not something that's kind of steered by a regulator it's not that kind of, it's almost like an sra kind of uh, approach where the industry has taken the actions of the industry and by the scruff of the neck and said, right, well, this is how we want our industry to evolve. This is what we're going to do. And I, you know, I think the same thing should happen, um, you know, within the, within the broader crypto market, we, we kind of got to realize it's a very, very immature market. Yes, it's huge. Three point, whatever it touched the other day, 3.2 trillion. But, but, you know, but, but in terms of, how long it's been around it's a very very immature market and i think to your point such now we're starting to see elements and, and you know of maturity come into it and, and these conversations more and more conversations are having we're seeing material owners of you know some of the largest exchanges coming out and you know seeking legitimacy via regulation in order to pursue what will ultimately be things like you know the, um, you know the commercial markets and things like that so you know, I agree it's all a step in the right direction, but it, you know, we need oversight and the industry has a massive responsibility as a stakeholder in its own success to, to, to drive that forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
one of the recent suggestions which has been made by quite a few people is there needs to be sort of one regulator for for all of crypto coinbase has recently suggested that amongst amongst numerous others and, and certainly and say one of the downfalls in crypto is the lack of any sort of independent third party and if you talk to crypto companies some of them will try and get sort of independent auditors to to check their, their tech and sort of give them a green tick but but they're hardly so you know neutral or independent they charge a lot of money and you arguably can be bought for that and e even recently we saw one of the you know so-called independent auditors effectively exit scam and you charge a lot of money and then uh, and then leave and, and not be honest themselves so the system we've got now isn't perfect i mean would you say that that is the answer having one sort of regulator and one independent auditor and, and industry standard um just speaking from early experience of starting off a career in deloitte um yeah someone needs to always watch the auditor and it's uh you know it's all about competition i'm not too sure about just having one i mean who decides who the one would be it's uh mm. I think we all know how, how that would go, but um, yeah, maybe some kind of, I mean, when we look at the technology and what this whole thing is about, it's decentralization, people having people having an equal right and a say in, in, in what happens and what affects their lives. So, um, you know, why, why can't we all be, uh, and one day maybe we're all going to be VASPs, you know, under certain definitions we all are. Uh, and then, um, obviously, then there's a risk of peer-to-peer, -peer, which uh, is always coming up now. How can, how can we mitigate that risk? And, um, yeah, it, it's a tough one, um, to be honest. But in terms of just conglomerating into one, no, I, I'm not too sure. Um, I mean, maybe a two-party, but that, that doesn't work either. So, yeah, multiple, multiple stakeholders is the best way, I'd say. Um, but have one kind of metric and one goal in mind, like what is it we want to improve and what do we want to achieve? Not just what can we block or what can we, what fires can we put out? Um, like where are we going in terms of progress? Are we actually um, getting it? Are we getting there faster? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd agree. I, I think I, if you look at the likes of, you know, Europe and the States, even under those kind of, structures you still have sort of a federal arrangement you know in the states under one country you've got different laws and different markets and you know the i i, I think when anyone when you try and centralize control in in that kind of sense you, you you know you always end up getting into kind of human emotion related arguments and, and things like that I, I think you know the best results generally are are market driven results and and the, the market and the community needs to kind of find out where it will be and and be able to hold itself to account we, we start to see we're starting to see it now and you can argue both ways but when you know when you have recent um hacks of networks and then all the funds are returned okay admittedly for you know whatever reason you know is gonna is gonna make someone do that that's unheard of in the traditional world so in a way that's a use case for the fact that the the, the market can self-govern so maybe there's some kind of new paradigm shift there i think no the market as a whole doesn't quite know what good looks like yet i think that's one of the biggest problems regulators and market participants don't quite know what good looks like 
And when you don't know what good looks like, everyone's all over the place and, and you get this sort of, um, you know, you, you sort of get in, in, in the situation that we might feel like we're in now, but I think generally everything's moving in the right direction. It certainly feels, in the UK in particular, it feels like a bit of a pressure cooker at the moment. It feels like there's an awful lot more good news, good stories, good innovation, um, good outcomes that are, that are being shown within the space. Um, the rhetoric's changing, the narrative's changing from the majority. Some, you know, some people still seem to, you know, die, you know, are going to die on their hill in terms of all crypto is evil. But, um, but I think even, even, even that will, that will start changing, you know, changing in time. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it's fair to say, at least I like to see that the vast majority of, of companies are, are doing some incredible things and, and, and really, you know, revolutionizing how a lot of systems and setups work, which is, um, which is great. And then also when you look at crypto crimes, they're not necessarily about crypto. It's often opportunists just taking advantage of the excitement caused by crypto rather than being directly due to due to crypto at, at fault per se. But you know, we, we've got to touch on the fact that crypto crime does still exist. Um, you know, there's some enormous hacks and Ponzi schemes and, you know, and scams in space and then exit scams. But then also you've got the role that crypto does undeniably play in, in ransoms and smuggling and human trafficking and drugs trade and so forth. And, and that isn't just digital that, that affects a lot of sort of real life humans and a lot of real life situation is is there a role where a lot of partnerships with other organizations such as the anti-human trafficking network for example could play is is, is that the answer to to reduce a lot of, of crime and and hopefully reduce the victims that are affected i i would say yes yeah for sure for sure it is and it's um it's not just that uh, with the partnerships as well it's um it's the industry as well needs to come together, right? It's, um, uh, and this comes back to about having like one party or, or um, you, you know, there's always the hindrance to progress is, is vested interest, right? And that's what we see with the, you know, what's going on with the battle for, uh, for exchanges, you know, and, um, you know, vested interest will, will kind of stop, uh, you know, but when the, 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 the example that Alex uh, said before about, uh, you know, white hat hackers actually giving something back, like what was their vested interest? It was generally for the uh, for society to give them a thumbs up and kudos. It wasn't to, hey, like uh, monopolize and like have that monopoly for a long time. Um, you know, what the, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, predatory uh, rent extraction. I love that. I love that phrase, actually. I'm going to use that on my landlady, actually. She wants to up my rent. But uh, yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and just also in terms of the education, like, no, you know, regulators need to get educated. Uh, the private sector needs to get educated on how the regulators speak and how they interact, you know. So something needs to be done along those lines. Uh, I, that, I think that's really going to be fundamentally the, uh, the key to unlocking progress uh, because it's, uh, you know, everyone communicates in a different way and, you um, different groups uh sometimes they just don't go on well together so uh, some someone needs to be an intermediary people need to be educated so that they can protect themselves uh exchanges you know all kind of BASPs. you know they should work together in terms of like getting the illicit actors out you know we've already proved it that can you imagine if a crypto crime was actually higher than fiat crime what would we what would we be talking about then so 
we don't want to get in that situation, right? It's uh, we, we want we've shown how clean it is, and we're going to keep it more and more cleaner, hopefully. Um, yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Thank you, and Alex. Because of time, but if you've got a, a last few point on that, just yeah, just um, on the education piece, um, I, I think that, that that is absolutely key. But part of that education piece is an awful lot of education and effort being spent educating on the crime, criminality, fraud piece, and how what we can do to, to prevent that. And it, I think it would be good to really start educating um, senior stakeholders, you know, regulators, policymakers on actually the benefits that this technology can bring, the disintermediation, the um, financial inclusion benefits, and the societal benefits that engaging with this can bring. And if you can balance that argument naturally, and so that the narrative starts turning from right well how do we stop all this bad stuff to okay let's look at let's look at what the good stuff does and then balance that against the bad stuff we will start to see that actually the technology itself isn't it's non-autonomous it's not inherently evil it's bad actors in exactly the same way as the traditional world yeah no it's it's true crypto crimes are, are aren't unique in in any way really except for different use of technology. Sashin and Alex, thank you so very much for joining us and sharing your uh, amazing viewpoints on that. We could speak for a lot longer. Also, thanks to Trilay for bringing us the series on crypto exchanges and a huge thanks to you both for joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Crypto Curry Club is brought to you by Trulayer. Trulayer.com forward slash crypto.